Thank you for joining us for another podcast from Covenant Community Church. And now, today's message from Senior Pastor John Lofton. Open your Bibles to the book of Genesis, chapter 24. Uh, Nope, let's go to 32. Genesis, chapter 32. But we're going to start reading at verse 24. Genesis 32. We're going to start reading at verse 24. I'm actually going to give you uh, three sets of scriptures that we're going to read, if that's okay. And if you need a Bible, please raise your hands. I want to make sure that what you hear me reading is actually in the Word of God. Uh, When you come to church, make sure you have a Bible. Uh, When you go to class, you need to have a Bible simply because, I mean, sorry, you need to have a book So the teacher is going to give you some instructions and say, usually, that we got a syllabus that we're going to go through, and we have a certain uh, textbook that you need to read. At the end of the course, usually, there's going to be an exam. You got the syllabus, you got the textbook, you know what's coming. What's coming? There's an exam coming. Your syllabus is you got to live as a Christian. You got the textbook, and I'm here as a preacher here to tell you there's going to be a test. So when you come to church, you need to have a Bible on your phone, your iPad, or just one of these old, you know, how we, like, oh, now we're like old folks that carry Bibles like this because now we're in this technology age. Right? But there's nothing like hearing pages turn in a Bible when the preacher says, turn to a passage, blah, blah, blah. And you just hear those. Y'all, y'all ever took some time just to listen? Oh, my God, that's a beautiful sound when people are turning those pages. So somehow somebody need to create an app. Yeah, that when you, <laughs> y'all don't take my idea. And so, <laughs> so when you turn on your iPad, you can, you can hear those. Uh, you know, I don't know. I told you, I'm sleeping. You like that? Is that a good idea? I thought it was when I thought of it. So we're at Genesis chapter 32. Are you there at verse 24? When you get there, say, I have it. All right, we're going to read this. And let me just go ahead and give you the other scriptures before we start. The next set of scriptures, scripture, it's just going to be one. It's going to be Colossians 1.27. Colossians 1.27, if you want to go ahead and put that in your notes. And then we're going to go to the book of Revelation. Chapter 1, verses 5 and 6, okay? So we're going to start in Genesis 32, starting in verse 24. Then we're going to go to Colossians chapter 1, one verse, verse 27. And then we're going to go to the book of Revelation chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. Everybody got it? Please don't ask me to repeat it because I might mess it up. All right. So Genesis 32, verse 24. So the Bible says, then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. Now when he saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, he said, let me go for the day breaks. But he said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. This is what Jacob said. Jacob said, I will not let you you go unless you bless me. So the theophany said to him, what is your name? And Jacob said, I'm Jacob. And then the theophany said, the angel said, 
Your name shall no longer be called Jacob, for Israel, and the word Israel means prince with God. He said, your name is not going to be Jacob. I'm changing your name, and your name is going to be Israel, which means you are a prince with God. Somebody say prince with God. So God changed his name to be a prince with God. And then it goes on to say, then, verse 29, Then Jacob asked, saying, Tell me your name, I pray. And the angel said, Why is it that you asked about my name? And he blessed him there. So Jacob called the name of that place Penuel. And if you look that up, the word Greek word for Penuel means face of God. Penuel um, and then he goes on to say, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. I'm going to stop right there. So here, something interesting here, I preached on this particular text at uh, the Life Church at Monroe, but he gave me something different because what I was preaching there is the deliverer is in the house. Man, I went back through this again, and he gave me something totally different. I'm going to give you the title of it in just a second, but I want to talk about some of the, the principles of the text. Jacob wrestled with this theophany. A theophany is actually Jesus Christ as an angel in the Old Testament. That's what a theophany is. So he wrestled with God, and God changed his name from Jacob to Israel. And I'm going to get into names in just a second. Are you, are you seeing this? When he changed his name, Jacob walked with a limp. The way Jacob left God was different than how he came. So in other words, the way Jacob walked to God, it was different when he walked from God. All right, everybody got that. He walked with a limp because when you've been with God, there should be something different about your walk. Oh, man, I'm going to start in a minute. Let's go over there to Colossians. This is good already. Let's pray and go home. <laughs> Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. It says, to them, bless you, to them God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Somebody say, Christ, Christ. in me, the hope of glory. Go to the book of Revelation. Keep turning, keep turning right for me. Revelation chapter 1. And then I am going to attempt to tie all of this together. Revelations chapter 1, verses 5 and 6. No, that's not what I want. What verse did I want? I wrote the verse down wrong. I'm sorry. Hold on. Give me a second. Let me find it. I missed a number on my, um, my iPad here. All right. I don't, I'm going to have to paraphrase it because I don't know. I can't remember what I wanted to put here. But it's talking about Jesus Christ being our king, and he made all of us kings and priests. Verse 6, that's 1-6. Yeah, that, so I was right. I'm sorry. 
So, so it was a little bit further down. So I'm going to just read that part and says, and has made us kings and priests uh, to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. So a couple of things here I'm going to tie together, and, but let me, let me just share something because a lot of times the things that we sense and see might be a little bit different than the things that God is doing. So I got a little something here to kind of lighten up things before we get a little heavy. Okay, y'all ready? So a man asked God, how long is a million years? God says, son, a million years to me is like one second of time. The man asked God, well, what is a million dollars like to you? And God said, son, a million dollars to me is like one penny to you. The man looked up and said, God, can I have one of your pennies? And God smiled and replied, certainly, give me a second. I just wanted to see how many of y'all were listening. <laughs> Sometimes how we see things can be quite different than the way God sees things. I believe we're living in an age of prophetic duplicity and that has catapulted, catapulted the church into uh, this area of compromise, causing many to live a life that was never meant for us to live. Um, I believe we live in an age of uh, mass production and uh, mass uh, marketed spirituality. That's probably the best way I can put this is mass marketed spirituality. There are so many people that have such a cookie cutter idea and they think that just because I come to your ministry or come to your organization and I pay my $500 that all of a sudden everything that happened in your life is supposed to happen in the mind. I call that mass marketed spirituality. But God has distinctively created each and every one of us with a plan and with a purpose. You don't have to follow anybody else's anointing. You don't have to be like anybody else. You don't have to talk like anybody else. Your life is sealed in Jesus Christ, and he has a plan and a purpose for you that only you can fulfill. Am I talking to the right people here today? Dr. Ravi Zacharias said this. He said, truth has been sacrificed at the altar of an image. We got so many people today, they, they, they want to look like somebody else. They want to dress like somebody else. They want to talk like somebody else. You see something on social media. You see something in the media. You see something in a magazine, and all of a sudden, you get depressed because maybe your body doesn't look like that, or maybe the way they look in that dress, that's not the way I look, or maybe the way he looks in that suit, uh, I don't look that way. And, and we have the propensity to think that, man, I must be less than because I don't look like them. We're living in a day and an age where image means more than anything. Um, as I was reading in the antiquity of scripture, long ago, names meant something. Parents would give a child a name that either pointed to their characteristic of something that they wanted the child to live in, or they would name that child after another person who they wanted that child to emulate, or they named the child based on the circumstances or the vicissitudes of life that that person had experienced. Names give you two things. Names will give you identity and purpose. Yeah. Names give you identity 
and purpose. Some of the names in the Bible is Elijah. Elijah means my God is Yahweh. Oh, my God is Jehovah. The name of Isaiah means Yahweh saves or God saves. The name of Jeremiah, Yahweh has uplifted me. Come on, somebody. The name of Caleb means wholehearted. The name of John means Yahweh has been gracious. The name of Isaac means the one who laughed or laughter. In the book of uh, Genesis chapter 35, Rachel was, had a, a very hard child. Uh, uh, she was trying to give birth to a child, but her labor was very hard. And the Bible says that she actually died when she gave birth to the child. The midwife got the child, and she named the child based on the circumstances and the situation. She said, your name is Benoni, which means son of my sorrow. But the father took the child and said, no, no, no. His name is not Benoni, but his name is Benjamin, for he is a son. Come on, somebody. There is nothing like a father that can change the destiny of a child. Yep, that, that, that woman might have named him that he's a son of sorrow, but the father named him, he's a son of my right hand. When a father is in the house, a father will give destiny to their children. No, you're not going to put a name on my child. That's not his destiny, and that's not his call. According to the CDC in 2012, 72% of black children are born out of wedlock. 72%. This is a 2012 statistic. So imagine what it is today. 72%. 53% Hispanic men or Hispanic children born out of wedlock and 29% of white. These numbers are staggering. 71% of high school dropouts didn't have a father at home. 71%. I'm not talking about fathers. Elaine's going to get into that next week. But what I am talking about here is identity. I'm talking about a name for the title that I want to give for this message. I want to get all the way right here. Here's the title. There is a king in you. I said there is a king in you. Now, I know Donald Lawrence has a song, and, and I know there have been a lot of men of God to teach on this specific message today, but I got a message for you that there's a king in every one of you. There's royalty in every one of you. There's a call of God in all of you. There's something that God wants to do in your life because there's a king in you. And when we try to define ourselves based on what culture wants, then you might not be living out what God wants you to do. There has the names of people have no relevance today with parents. I can just talk with some of the teachers in this room right now. And I'm sure when you look at your role, and you're trying to determine, well, what in the world is this child's name? <laughs> you can't pronounce it, let alone what it means. And so they got collard green area and... Uh, you know, and macaroni and cheese Nisia. <laughs> they must have been hungry when they had. <laughs> uh, what is that? Tadashia. What is that? 
and the dash was an actual dash. But you had to pronounce, y'all know, y'all, somebody told me about that one. So she had a dash in the name, and you have to actually pronounce the dash. <laughs> what in the world are these parents doing? Today, many parents name their children based on how those names sound or based on names of what's the next hot topic. Alicia Keys named her son Egypt. Egypt. Forrest Whitaker named his son Ocean and named his daughter True. Is that true? <laughs> Jay-Z and Beyonce named their children Blue Ivy Carter, Rumi Carter, and Sir Carter. Sir Carter. Gwyneth Patro named her daughter Apple. I'm sure her son is going to be orange. And the dog is going to be called Lemon. Kanye and Kim. <laughs> they got Northwest, St. West, and Chicago West. Sound more like a police precinct than names of children. This is for real. Now, let me, let me digress a little. When I was in school, <laughs> I was one of the people, because my brain worked so fast, I was one of the people that would probably drive people to drink. Because if you had a funny name, you couldn't rob my bus. I'm just saying, y'all, uh, I've been forgiven. But you couldn't get on my bus because it was three of us. And if you had a jacked up name, I'm sorry, messed up name, you couldn't ride our bus. You would cry every day if Northwest got on my bus. She would be looking for Southeast, her boyfriend. All right, let me come back. I'm sorry. Y'all know what I'm saying? See, we are messing up our children with all of these crazy names. There's a story in the Bible because names give you identity and purpose. There's a time in the Bible when Yeshua Jesus was ready to roll up his sleeves. He was in the town of Nazareth, and he got ready to roll up his sleeves and do some damage to the kingdom of darkness. The Bible said that Jesus, he had already healed the sick and raised the dead. He was in that town just to do something different with the people. So when Jesus got up there to roll up his sleeves to do some damage to the kingdom of darkness, the religious folks said, aren't he the carpenter's son? They gave him the name of what the man gave him. But they didn't understand that he was not only the son of Joseph, he was the son of God. And sometimes, people, if you don't identify Jesus correctly, you can't get the blessing that comes with the name. If you just see Jesus as just the carpenter's son, you don't see him as a healer. If you just see Jesus as the carpenter's son, 
you don't see him as a deliverer. If you see Jesus as just a carpenter's son, you don't see him as a savior. And so what they should have done is say, yes, Jesus, he's the son of God. But what did Jesus do? Jesus put his sleeves right back down and he said, look, I can't do no more here except lay his hands on a few sick folk and heal them. Now, I got to ask the question. If revival is not healing, then what is revival? Because Jesus said, I can do no work here except lay my hands on a few sick folk and heal them. Even healing people is not a form of revival because there are a lot of people who get healed, but they don't stay saved. Healing is not necessarily going to do it. It's going to have to be a heart change. See, Jesus can touch your body, but he may not have touched your heart. That's why you got to give your whole body, soul, and spirit over to God so that he can touch you in all three of those areas, spirit, soul, and body. Am I talking to the right people here today? So they gave Jesus a name, and Jesus could only do what they identified him with. Oh, boy, oh, boy. I say that to say this. People will always be critical of you when you don't follow their ideology. You don't follow their little plan. Yeah, you think a little differently. There's something of it wrong with you. I'm telling you something, saints of God. When we started this church, you wouldn't believe how many people I reached out to. But because I didn't follow their little mold, because I didn't come up through their little denominational ranks, then go to the, the specific uh, cemetery, seminary. I'm sorry, their seminary school that they went through. Then I didn't have uh, the right credentials uh, to be invited into their circle. Come on, somebody. Um, it's in the church where the Bible says that we are heirs with God and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. That means you shouldn't have any heirs. We already are heirs. Hello, somebody. So if you have an heir that, you know, you know, you didn't go to the right school and you have an heir that you didn't go to the right seminary, then something is wrong with you because you're not a part of the family that I'm a part of because I am an heir. Come on, somebody. And because I am in the family of God, I have access to everything anybody else have access to. It don't matter how long you've been saved. You could have gotten saved last night after you were hung over from a crack cocaine overdose. But you woke up and said, God, come into my heart. You have access to everything that the bishop that's been saved for 50 years, been preaching in the pulpit. You got the same access because you are an heir and you are in the family of God. Come on, somebody. And see, when you're in the family of God, that means you are a king. There's a king in you. Don't worry about if you think differently than other folk. That's all right. Don't even worry about if people don't invite you to their little circle. That means you ain't need to be there in the first place. You know what you need to do? Create your own. Create your own circle. See, let me tell you something. A pioneer don't go down the path that's always travel. A pioneer goes where there is no path and they leave a trail. Hello, somebody. Raise your hand and say, I'm a pioneer. Amen. Why? Because there's a king in you. And when you got the king in you, you don't have to follow anybody but the king. He says, set your mind on things above and not on the earth. Why? Because he wants you to follow him as a king so he can show you how to be a king. 
Somebody said, there's a king in me. Are you getting motivated yet? If you're not, I got a little bit more. People will always try to put you in their box of limitations. You can't do this, and you can't do that, and you shouldn't try that, and what are you doing? Uh, what are you doing trying to start your own business? What are you doing trying to start that ministry? What are you doing trying to sing those songs? What are you, what's wrong with you? Think you can write a book? And the ones that you think are going to be the ones to push you into your destiny are the ones you need to watch out for. See, let me tell you something. There's a difference between your enemy and your friend. Come on, man. Because your, your enemy, no matter how deceitful they might be, they might be the one that's best for you. Let me, let me tell you why I say that. Because Jesus called Peter his enemy. He said, get behind me, Satan. Why? Because Peter was trying to stop Jesus from his death. See, Jesus said, I'm going to the cross. And Peter said, no, that's not going to happen. I will give my life for you. Jesus said, yep, you're going to give your life. <laughs> but just not right now. So he was, <laughs> yeah, you're going to die, brother, but not today. And so Jesus was going to the cross. Somebody say that was his destiny. Peter was trying to stop Jesus from his destiny. So Jesus called Peter his enemy. He said, get behind me, Satan. But he called, he called Judas his friend. Isn't that interesting? Because Judas is the one that sold him with 30 pieces of silver. Why? Because your enemy, I don't care how vile they might be. I don't care how rude they might be. Your, your, your friend is the one that's going to get you to your destiny. Even though he sold him for 30 pieces of silver, it was that instrumental decision is what took Jesus to the cross. Now, your friend might be the one patting you on the back, but a true friend, that's the one that's going to get you to the cross. Hey, yes, yes, yes. See, see, you, you need some enemies in your life. Let me tell you something about some enemies. Some enemies will make you get on your knees. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they're getting on your last nerve. God, if you don't kill them, I will. <laughs> Come on, somebody. If you can just wield the power of God for one day, there'd be a lot of people ain't living. They'd be dead right about now. If you, if, you, if you had the power, the real power of God, there'd be a lot of folks gone. I'm, listen, let, okay, let me just be honest with you. If God just let me wield his power, just, ooh, there'd be a couple of folks who won't be here right now. Oh, it'd just be a little dust ash pile. Lord, kill him. Lord, I didn't really mean to kill him. Can you bring him back? Okay. <laughs> Just for one day, you know you had to play, right? So I'll be like, Lord, kill him. Bring him back. Kill him. <laughs> He's God, right? Hey, that, that why, that's why I can't, I can't do that. that uh, come on now. I, now, y'all looking at me kind of weird right now. Now, you know. Now, who saw Bruce Almighty? Now, you mean to tell me you wouldn't do some of that stuff Bruce Almighty did? Well, barring pushing the girl's dress up. But I'm just saying, because he was just like, y'all know what I'm talking about. No, I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. But the, you know the stuff he did? Oh, yeah. You know, I'm driving in my Pinto. Mm -hmm. You know, the hatchback. Mm -hmm. How many of y'all in here know what a Pinto is? These, all the old folks. These young people are like, what's a Pinto? <laughs> Isn't that a horse? You had a pinto? <laughs> Did it start all the time? 
It did. <laughs> man, the Ford Pinto. Little bitty ride. Yeah. Man, that thing, a little hatchback. You can put stuff in the back. Used to have about eight folks in there going to the drive-thru. Drive, drive-in movie. Oh, y'all don't know about drive-in movies. Man, I'm dating myself. Good Lord. It'd be feet hanging out. The back, they have it pulled down because they got to hold it. It's feet, hands. It's, y'all don't. Oh, y'all don't even know what. See, a, a drive-in movie is a place where you go, and there are actual screens outside, and you pay for a ticket, and it's by the car. And you pay for the car. That's why we had so many people in one car, because you don't pay by the people. You pay by the car. And so you get 10 folks in one car, and you pay one price. And then you take your ticket, you go get your popcorn, and you actually park. It's in a field, like it's a field. And then you put your radio on a certain station, and you actually can hear the movie. Isn't that awesome? You can hear the movie in your car, and you actually sit down outside. I had to tell the young people this. They don't know nothing about no drive-in, right? And we go to the drive-in now over in Baden. They got one in Gastonia. We, we go to the one in Baden. We have a good time at the drive Man, you get two for it. You get a, y'all know what a two for is? Two, yes, two movers for one. You, we go get a two for a Baden. How many of y'all want to go to Baden with us? Well, we'll, we'll take, we'll take four, four or five cars, but look, let me... Let, let me <laughs> We're going to do it right. We ain't going to have 50 folks in one ride, right? We're just going we're gonna to pay the folks because we're Christians. <laughs> look, there's going to be people all under the floorboard and just, <laughs> okay. Now, how y'all get me off my message? I did it. All right. All right, let's come back. <laughs> people, listen, people will suck the life out of you until you are sad and depressed. How many of you got some folks like that? Praise the Lord. When you see them coming, you go, mm, Lord, help me. Sometimes you just get on the phone. You see them coming. Yeah, yeah, hello. Yeah. Yeah, hey, I'm coming over there right now. <laughs> People will try to always put you in their little boxes. They will call you different names. Boy, I hit something in, right? They will call you different names. But let me, let me tell you what's a detriment to kings. Is if they call you a name, you can deal with that. But when you receive that name into your heart and you begin to agree with what people call you that doesn't line up with your destiny, that's what stops you. It doesn't stop you with people calling your names. I've been called a whole lot of names. I'm from the South. I've been, I've been called a whole lot of names. But those names were not my identity. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Let me tell you something, saints of God. The enemy will call you all kinds of names. But just because he calls you a name, that doesn't make it so. Let me, let me tell you something here. Let me, just, let me just go off the cuff here. There was a time when John the Baptist baptized Yeshua Jesus. You remember that? He was baptizing people, and he said, there's one coming that's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He said, I am not that one. And he happened to look up, and he, he said, behold, the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin, sin, not sins, the sin of the world. 
The sin of the world is disobedience to God. And so Jesus came down and said, John, I need you to baptize me. John said, no, bro, you should be baptizing me. So Jesus said, no, I need you to do this for me. So John the baptizer, he wasn't a Baptist, but he was a baptizer. He baptized Jesus. The Bible said three specific things. The Bible said the heavens opened. Remember? Father spoke, and, a, and the Holy Spirit, as of a dove, landed on his shoulder. Okay. So the Father said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am pleased. Well pleased. Amen? You got it? All right. Now, the story didn't stop right there. In Luke chapter 4, immediately the Bible says he was led into the wilderness. And when he was led into the wilderness, he was challenged by Satan. So write this down. Hell will always challenge you based on what heaven is calling you. See, from heaven, the Father spoke, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. That word came from heaven and immediately hell challenged what heaven said. Let me tell you something, saints of God. You have heard God say who you are in the spirit. You have heard God say you are a prophet. You have heard God say I am an evangelist. I can heal the sick. I can heal mute tongues. I can heal deaf ears. God has spoken to you about a ministry that he wants you to be in, about a book that he wants you to write, about a business that he wants you to start, about a dream that he's been giving you for 20 years that you've never done anything with. God is saying there's a king in you, and what you need to do is stand up on both of your feet, and you need to deny everything that hell is trying to call you and receive everything that heaven is calling you today. Come on, somebody. Lift up your hands and say, there's a king in me. See, the father said, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Who are you trying to please? The father of lies or the father of truth? See, you better know who your baby's daddy is. See, I'm pregnant with something. And my baby's daddy is not the father of lies. <laughs> my baby's daddy is the father of glory. Come on, somebody. And see, I'm pregnant with something. And see, when you're pregnant with something, everybody, you got to stop, stop listening to everybody because you got a holy baby. <laughs> you got something divine on the inside of you. And when you're carrying something that's holy, you can't listen to everybody. You can't be around everybody. You got to narrow your circle because you're carrying something holy. You got something deep down inside of you there's a king there's a king there's a king in you there's royalty in you there's something divine in you today and I want you to know that no matter what you've gone through in your life no matter what people said about you it doesn't matter what your mama said or, or your daddy said or the one who wasn't there or the one who didn't love you right or what that teacher said or what that bully said what that husband said what that wife said what that boyfriend said those people do not declare your destiny your, your destiny is declared by God see when you get discouraged, sometimes you have to get down on your knees and say, yeah, devil, but there's a king in me. I know what you're trying to do, but 
I got something inside of me. You don't understand it. There's a king in me. Judah had a son named Er. And he did that which was evil. And the Lord took him out. And as it was customary at that time for the brother to lay with that woman so that she can conceive a seed. Because in antiquity of scripture, if a woman didn't have a son after the husband was gone, she was nothing but property. And the other family members would come and take everything from her. So Judah's next son, Ornan, was commanded to lay with Tamar so that she could conceive a seed. Well, the Bible said when Ornan got ready to ejaculate, he pulled out of her and he spilled his seed on the ground. And God killed him because he wasn't there for stimulation. He was there for impartation. And sometimes you can go to places and you might get stimulated, but you can walk out of the church and you're not pregnant with anything. See, I'm not here to stimulate you. I'm here to impart some seed in you. Because when you leave up out of here, I want you to know there's a king in me. Because hell is going to challenge you based on what I just called you. I just call you a king, and you best believe that hell is going to challenge what heaven just called you. So when you walk out of those doors, you best believe when the enemy comes in, comma, like a flood, the Lord will raise up a standard, period. <laughs> and you can look at the devil and say, yeah, devil, but there's a king in me. Turn to your Bibles to Micah chapter 4. And I need somebody that we're going to do like the old church. We're going to have something. We're going to have a reader. Y'all remember those days? Yes. Praise the Lord. Go to Micah chapter 4. Can I get somebody to read verse 9 standing on your feet, please? <laughs> Micah chapter 4, verse 9. See, at this particular time in Scripture, this was a day of reckoning. Uh, the prophets had prophesied to the children of Israel that there was something coming. Uh, because of their disobedience and their stiff-neckedness, something was coming. So you see, saints of God, if God can't get your attention by revelation, he will get your attention by tribulation. And since the children of Israel would not turn back to God, the prophets tried to warn them that something was coming. And what was coming was a king by the name of Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar invaded Israel, captured the king. At that time, the king's name was Zedekiah. Zedekiah ran for his life. But the soldiers from Nebuchadnezzar's, Nebuchadnezzar's army, Nezer, sorry, army captured him. When they captured King Zedekiah, they brought him to Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar said, I want to do something so this king will realize I'm taking away his destiny. <laughs> so what the king did, he brought all of Zedekiah's sons before him, and they killed every one of his sons in front of the king. 
And then they, they gouged out his eyes so that the last thing that the king saw was his whole lineage destroyed right in front of him. Let me tell you something, people of God. The enemy is going to always try to destroy your lineage. And when he gets your lineage, he's going to try to destroy your vision. And so the man of God, Micah, says, why are you crying aloud? Is there no king in you? For the first time, Israel hasn't had a king since King Saul. And so the prophet said, what is wrong with you? Why are you crying? Is there no king in you? What are you going to do? When you see things happening in our community, what are you going to do? I had so many pastors to come to me and say, man, we need to do something about all these shootings. And so we put a form together. None of them showed up. But I'm not going to stop just because they didn't show up because there's a king in me. Let me tell you something. And because I see kings in my community, I'm not going to judge somebody just because they're homeless because there's a king in them. See, when our C3 teachers are back there with our children, there's a king in every child back there. It doesn't matter if they act up a little bit. It doesn't matter if they try to show off a little bit. It doesn't matter like we say they're trying to smell themselves. You know how to get them back in line. Why? Because there's a king in them. The reason we have boundaries on our children because you know there's a king in them. There's a king in our children. What are you speaking into the lives of your children? Fathers, how much time are you spending with your sons? Taking them out on fatherly dates. Telling them who they are. Telling them there's a king in them. I'm telling you, if you are raised by your mother, that's fine. But I'm telling you right now, there's a king in you. There's a king in you. And mothers do the best that they can. They give all that they have. But what every young man has to do is make a decision that there's a king in me. I'm not going to allow my future be dictated by a past with a man who never was in my life. I'm going to be the man that he never was. Come on, somebody. Because why? There's a king in me. I can't live my future based on what I didn't get. It ain't my daddy's fault. It's my fault. I take responsibility for my life. Why? Because there's a king in people. When you go into those communities with food, when you knock on those doors, there's a king behind that door. There's a king in them. There's a king in them. There's a king in people. Come on, saints of God. Those co-workers that gets on your nerves, it's a king in them. One day they might have to come to you for something. One day it may happen. There is a king. See, Kawana and I, we were just, we just, we didn't even work together. We just saw each other in the same building. But years ago, I saw there was a king in her. And we didn't even talk about church. We just saw each other. Hey, how you doing? Doing great. How's your family? How's your daughter? Boom, 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 boom. And then one day, I ran into her, and she just happens to be in a place where she needed a church. And she thought about the king in me. See, this 
It's not about John Lawton because John Lawton died a long time ago. <laughs> now what you see is a king. So when I encounter people, it's not me that's encountering them. Come on. Christ in you, the hope of glory. <laughs> I told you I was going to tie it all together. <laughs> Come on, somebody. So why are you down trying? This woman of God preached a message last Sunday. Come on. Now. What was the title, Erica? Come on. You might be struck now, but you're not destroyed. Let me tell you something, Erica. I got this message when I listened to yours. And I was on the job, and I told Max. I said, Max, send me your wife's message. The Lord said I got to listen to it. Boy, I put that thing in my headset. I jumped up out of my seat one time. I said, boy, I'm about to run around this place. My little coworker said, what's wrong, John? I said, boy, you don't understand. There's a king in me. Come on, somebody. See, sometimes you got to do something you've never done so you can get something you've never had before. Somebody shout, there's a king in me. Come on and slap your neighbor high five and say, there's a king in you. There's a king in you. Come on, come on, come on. Tell him, tell him, tell him. There's a king in you. There's a king in you. There's a king in you. Hello, hello. There's a king in you. Come on, stand to your feet. Come on, come on. Come on, somebody declare there's a king in me. There's a king in me. I said, there's a king in you. There's a king in you. Hey, there's a king in you. I want somebody in here to know that there's something inside of you that you need to be pregnant with something holy. And I know the enemy, he's upset with you. We hope you've been blessed by today's powerful teaching. Thank you for your continued prayers and financial support of this ministry. Visit us in person at 5805 West Highway 74 in Indian Trail, North Carolina. That's near Lowe's Hardware. Or you can find us on the web at www.changeatc3.org. That's change, C-H-A-N-G-E-A-T-C, the number 3.org. Or call us at 704-821-7368. Covenant Community Church, where the truth is revealed.